You're listening to episode 22 of the Ento Podcast. Looking to stay up to date on all things entomorphology? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Ento Podcast with your host, Ross Bell. Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of the Ento Podcast with me, your host, Ross Bell. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Cricket. Cricket for all your dried, flavoured, and cricket protein products. Find us at www.cricket.co.uk. So thanks again for listening this week. Got a few more stories and one from uh, one's been sent in, which is great. So hopefully we'll get a few more of these in the in the coming weeks. So the first story we'll start off with this week it comes from the Corrant, and it's Bug Eater Visits Library. Some people are really excited about baseball, passionate about basketball, or inspired by football. Other people love to visit art museums, travel the world, or follow a music group around the country. For David Gracer, it's bugs. He's really into bugs. Not just appreciating their colours or their unique qualities, although he enjoys that too. Gracer loves eating them. All kinds of them. Once a finicky eater, Gracer became a foodie in his college years. At which point, a long-time friend of his challenged him to eat some ants and crickets, which he had sent away for. Gracer accepted this challenge and hasn't looked back yet, even saying it's changed my life. Kent Memorial Library recently invited Gracer out to present on the subject to an extremely enthusiastic crowd made up of children from the age of four to grown-ups. The children were astoundingly way more excited to be eating bugs than their parents. Several asked questions about the best insects he's ever eaten, and the worst, cockroaches in case you were interested, as well as has he ever been stung or bitten? Yes, he has. Stay away from oil beetles, said Gracer, and gypsy moths. An English instructor in Rhode Island, Gracer has made bug consumption into a bit of a life mission, researching them and sharing his interests with others. A self-confessed bug enthusiast, he acknowledges that he is a terrible cook and leaves the preparation up to the professionals. Gracer says that he and others like him see food a little different than most Americans and says that in the future, we as a people should really consider farming insects so that we can feed the globe's billions of people. Gracer's passion for bug eating eventually led him to to become a contestant on National Geographic show's Migrations and made a guest appearance on the Cobalt Report and presenting a TEDx speech about... Well, what else? Eating bugs. Of course, the highlight of the event was passing out crunchy crickets and other crawling creatures as a light snack. Kids lined up eagerly to try green caterpillars and the like, and the parents sat back, encouraging from afar. It tastes like a peanut, said one boy. Another described it as kettle corn with almonds. Grace says entomophagy should be the wave of the future. They're all super nutritious, he said. We could farm insects. There are a lot of reasons to be concerned about how we feed ourselves in the future. According to Grace, the idea of eating bugs isn't gross. Having a tank of crickets in your closet is super easy, he said. It's easier than raising chickens or ducks. So I'll put a link to this article and I'll try and find David's talk, uh, his TEDx talk. And I'll put a link to that as well so you can see what he says there. But I've always found that when we do shows, cricket, that it's... It's always the kids that are more enthusiastic than the adults because they're just open to new ideas. So next we've got an event in Pittsburgh, and I've got to say a big thanks to Jack. So Jack, thanks very much for sending this in. 
not sure how many people around so Pittsburgh area there are, but there's definitely one. So thanks, Jack, and hopefully the few others will sort of go down and see this. So this comes from the Post Gazette, and its bugs for people are on the menu at Pittsburgh Zoo. Bugs give most people the creepy crawlies. The less we come across them, the better, right? Yet crickets, beetle larvae, and other six-legged insects can be a low-impact, sustainable, and nutritious protein alternative. Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium and exterminator pest control expert Urich hope to make that the case with insects at their summer's safari at the zoo. So this is a, an after-hours party. It's all ticket. It's got live entertainment, and if you go along, you'll be able to see the zoo's many animal exhibits um, and lush habitats without sort of, children running around. You'll be able to get check out their new Jungle Odyssey exhibition, but the Ulrichs will have their pestrant, where the, the brave at heart can sample a selection of edible insects. So they'll have some Moroccan spice crickets and chocolate chip cookies. The menu will also include savoury bacon and cheddar crickets. Cheddar mealworms and a selection of lollipops studded with worms and scorpions. But if you're not interested in eating the insects, and shame on you if you're listening to this and you're not. There'll also be a uh, a local rest uh, local restaurants in four areas where you'll be able to get uh, inverted commas normal food and some refreshing cocktail. The event runs from six thirty till eleven. You've got to buy tickets in advance and they cost $85 for general public. I'll put a link to where you can buy the, the tickets in the show notes. If you like the idea, they also have a VIP option, which is $145. Uh, that includes a private party from half five till half seven with a steel drum band. Um, you have access to the dinosaurs at the Pittsburgh Zoo experience and a chance to order craft beer at the new beer den. So I'll put links to all of those, and again, big thanks to, to Jack for sending this in. And just a little note, if, if anyone out there sort of got any things like this, then just let us know. Oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you when it was. So Friday the 28th. So if you're free on Friday the 28th of July, which, depending on when this goes out, may have just missed it. Thanks again, and if we can get more of these things, but give me a little bit more time to be able to put them in the show, that'd be great. The last thing we've got today is a it comes from the Financial Post, and it's the race to feed insects to livestock, pets, and people. And insect farms are cropping up across Canada to mass produce a food source that could fill the world's growing number of rumbling bellies without taxing the environment. So all I'll do is I'll play the video, and we'll come back and we'll close up the show. Each year, according to Time magazine, the livestock sector globally produces about 285 million tons of meat, or about 80 pounds per person. But consumption isn't divided evenly. Canadians eat about 250 pounds of meat a year on average, while Bangladeshis eat just about four pounds. But producing livestock requires a tremendous amount of feed and water. And if you enjoy throwing some ribeyes on the grill from time to time, well, just think about this. An average 1,400-pound steer requires 5,400 pounds of feed and 4,100 gallons of water. And that's a lot of resources that seem increasingly unsustainable for a growing world population. Now, the UN estimates that the world will hit 8 billion people in 2050. That's a potential food crisis. So what's the answer to our food problem? 
well at a farm 150 kilometers east of Toronto, Canada, they might just have the answer. So what do they farm? Insects. Uh, hi, Darren Golden from Entomo Farms. Entomo Farms, help me out with an English lesson here. Entomology is? The study of insects. And entomology. Entomophagy. entomophagy. <laughs> you can't even say it. Is? Um, the eating of insects. Which I'm still trying to get used to. Is this where the creepy crawlers live? Yeah, this is uh, Entomo Farms Barn 1, and we produce our organic and conventional uh, crickets in this barn right here. Let's go see where they live. Okay, welcome. Thank you. Darren, does the banded uh, cricket have an official scientific name? The scientific name is Griloides sigillatus. And where does that species come from? It's from the southern U.S., the tropical regions in the southern U.S. Okay, and how many uh, crickets do you typically have here at any given time? Um, each barn will have about 30 to 40 million crickets at any given time. I can't wait to go and see them all. Well, what a treat. Welcome. Let's go see where they incubate and how they hatch. Go ahead. I'll follow you. So welcome to the incubator. Thank you. This is where um, once the eggs are laid um, every day, we harvest them from the rooms and we put them into these totes to incubate. All right, so this is a tub of uh, cricket eggs, and you can see, if you look closely in the dirt here, you see like little white flakes. But yeah, they look like little grains of rice, yes. even smaller than that. Yeah, exactly, and each one of those is a cricket egg. So you can imagine in a little handful, you've got a thousand eggs, and so in a tote like this, there's uh, literally, literally hundreds of thousands of eggs. I was wondering what you use the egg cartons for. Yeah, so here you can see this is a, a tray of eggs, exactly like you saw on the shelf over there, but these ones have started to hatch. <gasps> and so if you look down in the bottom there, so a tray that was incubated well is going to hatch pretty close to the same time. So you can see the literally hundreds of thousands of crickets there emerging and I trying to gonna, find somewhere to go. I was going to say millions. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. It could be. And if you look really closely at them, you can see some of them are white. And the white ones, which is the same color as the egg, have just emerged from the egg. And within about 15 minutes or half an hour, their exoskeleton hardens up and they turn black. And so you can see these ones are all black. They've managed to climb up. But if you look at the bottom, there's a higher percentage of uh, white ones. So is that what they'll do eventually, is they'll all climb up onto here? Exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we'll take them from the incubator room and put them into the nursery where they'll spend the first two weeks of their life. You know, we always talk about crickets being a good choice for North Americans because North Americans kind of have this romantic association with characters like Jiminy Cricket and, you know, warm summer evenings with crickets chirping in the background. And, and uh, to a lot of North Americans, a cricket doesn't necessarily sound as gross as a worm. So um, that's what we think. And, I, and at the end of the day, I think it was a good thing because the, the nutritional benefits from eating crickets is insane and crickets taste really good. So this is one of the grow rooms or production rooms. And uh, you can see all the crickets set out in these uh, cardboard partitions. And of course there's food and uh, water um, on every row uh, for the crickets 
Now, as I was walking, it was uh, crunchy occasionally. <laughs> right. Every crunch is a slow-moving cricket. <laughs> oh, no. But having said that, I'm standing on some soft stuff here, which looks like sawdust. Yes, yeah, so that uh, we call fress, and that's actually the word for cricket manure. And each room when we harvest, we'll get about 2,500 pounds of crickets and about 2,000 pounds of uh, cricket manure. But not... A tradition, not smelly like traditional manure, right? Yes, exactly, because it's dry, it's got almost no odor to it, and it's a fantastic fertilizer. And in here you have... Yeah, so these we call the cricket condos, so this, cricket is where, condos. this is where all the crickets are living, and it's hard to get a sense for how many crickets are actually in the room um, without really looking oh. at what's, uh, what's inside the cricket condos. And so really, the crickets are pretty low on the food chain, so they like to hide. Um, they don't like to be out in the daylight. So how do you get these little guys out of the cricket condo? How do you harvest them? <laughs> well, they are holding on to the sides of this cardboard, and they can hold on good enough to live in here. But when the, when the room's mature, then we go through to harvest. Basically, we've got a bin. You just give the Whoa, condo one quick that. bump, and, uh, and it knocks all the crickets down. And the partition's essentially empty, and we'll go through the room and harvest out all the crickets. If you think about farming and population growth in North America, um, you know, we've developed this method of producing protein from chicken and pork and beef maybe over the last hundred or so years. And we've continued to farm them more and more intensively to produce enough protein for the growing population. And, uh, you know, over the last decade or so, it's become very apparent that the way we produce protein is really detrimental to the environment, um, uh, the planet in general. And so insects have a tremendous amount of benefits when you're talking about environmental challenges. So we're here at the processing facility, and this is where we turn the crickets into the various products that we make. So uh, the, the production process is very simple. We rinse the crickets with uh, fresh water, we um, put them into the ovens and roast them, and then we either sell them as whole roasted crickets, like uh, these ones here are. I can yeah. see everything. Yep, those are whole roasted crickets. Legs, antennae. Yep, and then for the uh, less adventurous, adventurous <laughs> eaters, we also grind them into a powder. And then the powder has no recognizable parts, and of course it's an incredibly versatile ingredient that can be added to any dish that you cook. Now I'm not sure if edible insects are just a food fad, but some chefs in Toronto are already putting them on the menu. We visited Cookie Martinez in her kitchen to see what she's cooking. So now where we are is at my, my spot, my, my little shop. It's a 10 by 8 uh, shipping container which I sell Colombian food, and one of the most popular by the customers are the insect empanadas. Mealworms, chili lime, and crickets.
So the past couple of years, we've seen tremendous growth in the uh, cricket products that we produce. Um, we're probably producing about three times the volume now that we were uh, even just a year and a half ago. But, you know, there's such potential from the nutraceutical industry and the pharmaceutical industry, as well as the larger food manufacturers. We're doing a lot more now with pet foods, uh, primarily dog foods. And so, uh, you know, this industry changes so quickly right now. We don't we're trying to stay nimble and not pick a not pick a direction. So do you actually take these and eat these? Yeah. Just oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Let's not mince words here. <laughs> I won't get off my fork. Oh, so I don't good. taste them. Yeah. It's not a super powerful, mind-blowing experience. The only thing that's kind of mind-blowing is, oh, wow, I can do this. And after seeing how insects are farmed and then eating them in different forms, well, I'm not so sure that I'm going to be snacking on them so liberally. But from what I've learned, edible insects could be the future of food and possibly the solution to the world's food crisis. So that came from the Financial Post. And I'll put a, a link to the video as well so that you can watch it. As you go through, you can see some of the the things they make with the, the cricket powder. And when the, the lady's making the, the empanadas, you can have a look at what she's doing there. Uh, but that's it for today. So again, thanks to, to Jack for sending in that uh, heads up about the, the Pittsburgh Zoo event anyone else out there who's got an event similar to that or knows of one happening in their area or somewhere else pass it across to me at info at the entopodcast.co.uk and i'll put it on one of the other shows but that's it for this week so till next week this is ross saying ta for now thanks so much for listening to the ento podcast for more great content and to stay up to date visit the entopodcast.co.uk and on facebook and twitter at the ento podcast we'll catch you next time